Hey everyone, welcome back to the online ministry of Grace Baptist Church. We're continuing our series in the book of Colossians called Jesus Underestimated. Most people don't reject Jesus altogether. Instead, they underestimate who he is, what he did, and what's possible in a life with him. This series looks at what happens when Jesus is back in the place he deserves in our lives. Today, we're looking at how Jesus redefines ministry, and specifically, what it is that drives people to do the hard thing. Because we so often avoid doing the hard thing, I'm fascinated when people do. For example, for his role in the film Fury, Shia LaBeouf trained with the National Guard, and during filming, he didn't bathe for four months in order to feel what it would be like to live in the trenches. Before appearing in Black Swan, Natalie Portman trained with a New York City ballet dancer for eight hours a day, six days a week, for 12 months. To play Ray Charles, Jamie Foxx wore prosthetic eyelids, which left him blind for most of each day. While filming My Left Foot, Daniel Day-Lewis remained in his wheelchair in between takes and was spoon-fed in order to better portray a man with cerebral palsy. And for his role in The Revenant, Leonardo DiCaprio had to jump into icy water, eat raw buffalo meat, and sleep in a simulated horse carcass. <laughs> you normally can't persuade people to do those hard things. We like comfort. We like easy. We crave convenience. In the case of the actors, the millions of dollars they earn for each film provides unusual motivation. But what about the rest of us? What do you do when you set out to serve Jesus in some way, and it's hard? Not only are you not getting paid, but there are headaches and problems and stress. You may not have to eat raw buffalo meat or sleep in a horse carcass, but ministry can be difficult. How do you handle that? Serving Jesus when it's convenient doesn't sound like the solution, but what is? Well, starting in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, Paul shows how Jesus redefines ministry. It gives us the motivation to show up and do the hard thing, even though there's not an Academy Award or a $10 million paycheck on the line. As we walk through the passage, I'd ask you to think through what the hard thing is that Jesus is asking you to do. Think of ways that you're tempted by easy and comfortable, and consider the ministry you could accomplish if you had a strength to do the hard thing. I'll read from Colossians 1, verses 24 to chapter 2, verse 5. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, 
in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see you, your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. This is the word of God. Now, if you were listening closely, Paul talks about suffering, affliction, toil, and great struggle. Serving is hard for him. But he starts off by saying, now I rejoice in my sufferings. And then he goes on to give the reasons. The message is that with Jesus, there's joy in doing the hard thing. And he goes on to explain why. The first reason is this. There's joy in doing the hard thing for others. When you see the impact that you can make on people when you choose to do the hard thing for Jesus' sake, it motivates you. It's satisfying. There's joy in doing the hard thing for others. Now think about some of the struggles you've had in ministry as you hear Paul's words in verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. When you hear suffering, you might think he's got a toothache or maybe carpal tunnel syndrome but not quite. In chapter 4, verse 3, he clarifies that he's in prison. And in chapter 4, verse 18, he says, remember my chains. He's been imprisoned for about three years at this point, first in Caesarea and now in Rome. He's under house arrest awaiting a trial, but he's chained to a Roman guard. As painful as that was and as frustrating as it might have been, when he thinks about the impact his ministry can have in the lives of others, it brings him joy. He sees that his suffering has meaning. He's doing it for other people. And he knows that a way that a believer deals with suffering has an impact on other people's lives. He says the same thing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. He says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers. I'm grateful for the Christians in this church who've shown us how to live joyfully with, for example, chronic pain. I'm thankful for those who've shown us how to handle huge ministry burdens with wisdom and grace. And I thank God for the believers who've shown us how to face death with the hope of Christ. I'll bet most of you are thinking about someone like that right now. We're better for having known them. We're strengthened by their example. But maybe in your suffering, you've forgotten that. You've gotten bogged down with the troubles you're facing and lost sight of the influence you have on those around you. The Apostle Paul's joy in the midst of his imprisonments and torture gives us confidence and hope that we wouldn't have had otherwise. It would have been easy to be chained to a guard and think, this is pointless. I'm not accomplishing anything. But when Paul was least productive, he was the most influential. And when you suffer well, you minister to other people in exactly the same way. When we run from the hard thing and grumble in our suffering, that has an influence on other people as well. Notice another one of Paul's motivations in verse 24, though. He says, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, if you were here for Christian's excellent message last week, you know that where Jesus is concerned, there is no room for improvement. 
So why is Paul saying that he's filling up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions? Well, what's lacking in Christ's afflictions is our response. When Jesus came into this world, he came in poverty. As a baby, he was hunted down by a paranoid king. Throughout his ministry, he faced criticism, opposition, and threats. And then finally, he suffered and died the most painful and humiliating of all deaths. He did all of that for us, and he calls us to do the same for others. The only thing lacking in his perfect sacrifice is our response. Jesus did the hard thing for you. Now, out of love for him, will you do the hard thing for others? We're called to take up our cross. And maybe the hard thing for you is making time to serve in a new ministry. Maybe your hard thing is finding the courage to take on leadership responsibility. Or maybe it's ministering to our church by facing your suffering and affliction with the hope that Christ gives. There's joy in doing the hard thing for others. There's also joy in doing the hard thing for the gospel. When you can see by faith the line between what you're doing and the people that you know need to know Christ, it gives you the push to cope with the challenges. There's joy in doing the hard thing for the gospel. Watch how Paul describes his calling in verse 25. I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Do you know what the stewardship from God is? It was his calling to pay the price to tell others about Jesus. Way back in Acts 9, 16, Jesus said this of him. I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Now, that wasn't Jesus being vindictive. But he needed Paul to know that if you're going to give a message from God to a world in rebellion against God, you're going to take some hits. People won't always be patting you on the back. Paul warned Timothy of the same thing in 2 Timothy verse 1, chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. He said, I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher. That is why I suffer as I do. Would you willingly take on a role that required suffering like that? And he wasn't just talking about going without a shower for a few months. He's talking about beatings and imprisonment. Paul took on the task because God asked him to, and because people need to hear. He was willing to do the hard thing for the sake of the gospel. Now, this takes some getting used to. I remember the first time I experienced real hatred from someone for preaching the gospel. A woman we'd gotten to know began attending the church. One Sunday, I preached the simplest and clearest gospel message I could from Peter's sermon in Acts 2. She was noticeably moved. We spoke afterwards, and she was polite, but there was tension in her voice. Then later that evening, she unloaded some of the vilest language in a series of emails that kept going late into the night. Somehow, I had become Judas's disciple and a servant of the devil. And I felt totally disoriented, trying to figure out what had happened. I shared everything with a pastor who was mentoring me, and he counseled me to just take it and not respond. It comes with a territory. It's part of the calling. I think I would have rather eaten raw buffalo meat. When something like that happens, it's easy to want to walk away. But you do it for the sake of Christ. And you do it for the sake of the gospel. 
And Paul can't think about the gospel without welling up with the joy within him. That's where he turns in verse 27 when he says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you have that hope when you're confronted with a hard thing? It's not the hope that every cloud has a silver lining. It's not the hope that God helps those who help themselves. Paul's hope isn't in himself or his determination or in his discipline. His hope is rooted in the fact that through faith, Jesus Christ lives within him, giving him strength and help, wisdom, and direction. Because Christ is in him, he knows that his story ends as Jesus' did, in resurrection. Because Christ is in him, he knows that he'll be able to stand before God on the final day. Because Christ is in him, he knows that his life will end in eternal glory. And so he fixes his mind on that glory, and it gives him joy even when the struggle is hard. It gives him courage even when he's tempted to give in. Where are you facing that temptation in your life right now? Where are you holding back and choosing easy and comfortable? Or maybe in your case, you're doing the hard thing, but you're running out of steam because the hope of the gospel has lost its glory for you. You've been putting your hope in other things, or you've just lost sight of the hope which used to be precious. With Jesus, there's joy in doing the hard thing. There's joy in doing the hard things for others, in doing the hard thing for the gospel. And there's joy in doing the hard thing for people's maturity. When you see how people's lives can be transformed when they really get it, it motivates you to seek their growth. There's joy in doing the hard thing for people's maturity. Now, so far we've seen how Paul suffered. For him, serving meant getting arrested. It meant being put in chains. And that was not just a, a metaphor, he was literally a prisoner. But maybe that's hard for you to relate to. Maybe you're thinking, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. But the hard thing for Paul didn't just involve beatings and interrogations. It also meant hard work. After describing some of, some of his aims and ministry in verse 28, he says this in verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Toil is a word that goes beyond a little effort. It means work plus sweat. It's labor plus exhaustion. Paul's giving everything he has to the ministry. The word for struggle here is what you'd say if you were training for a competition. Sometimes it's translated as fight or strive. The point is, there are obstacles. The ministry can be hard. And so it requires energy. In fact, the word for energy here is always used of supernatural power in the New Testament. Ministry takes more than just the old college try. It requires divine resources. And sometimes we forget that. The Colossians were in danger of forgetting that. That's why Paul says in verse 1, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Are you involved in any ministry right now that requires a great struggle? Are you giving yourself to the Lord in work that requires your effort? Are you sharing yourself in a way that requires divine resources? I think often we look to serve 
as long as it's convenient. We're happy to help as long as it won't require too much of us. I know that because when pastors came to Japan to counsel and support us, and not just us, but all of the missionaries that we were connected with, they said that most of the conversations revolved around some version of the question, why is it so hard? <laughs> and the frequent response was, who told you that it wasn't supposed to be hard? We're rescuing people from hell. Why do you think it would be easy? And when they put it like that, the answer was obvious. But when you're in the moment, it never feels like that. You're just trying to organize a schedule or get volunteers or complete a church renovation on time. And you think, we're trying to do something good. Our path should be smooth. God's on our side. This should be easy. Well, hear the Apostle Paul when he says, it's hard. It's a struggle. It takes every ounce of strength that God provides. But he'd also say that the struggle is worth it. I love the line in Alan Patton's novel where a character named Mansfield warns him against doing something that could be dangerous. And he points to heaven and says, when I get up there, the big judge will say to me, where are your wounds? If I say, I haven't any, he'll say, was there nothing to fight for? God has given each of us something worth fighting for. And that struggle is part of what gives our lives meaning. If you haven't found that yet, then step forward and volunteer to serve. Join a ministry team. Make an investment in someone. Or maybe work with us to start a new ministry. And if you're thinking, I'd like to, but it's kind of hard for me right now. Well, maybe that's the point. Maybe this is something we're struggling for. As Paul toiled and struggled in ministry, one of the things that gave him joy was his vision for the goal line. He didn't lose sight of why he was doing what he was doing. So after telling them what a great struggle he had in verse 1, he said in verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul struggled in prayer. He sacrificed his time. He served when it cost him to do so. And he did the hard thing because he knew what Christ can do in a person's life when they lay hold of him. When you lose sight of this, ministry is just a chore. There's no satisfaction in struggling to complete tasks that don't mean, any, mean anything. But Paul saw that Christian ministry is always about people and never just about the tasks. Paul knew that ministry results in people's encouragement and strengthening. He knew that ministry had the power to create unity and love among people. He knew that ministry could give people wisdom and knowledge that would change their lives. And he knew that ultimately there's treasure in Christ. So he was making people spiritually rich. And as he reflected on that, even though it was hard, even though it cost him, even though it often left him feeling tired and worn, brought him great joy and satisfaction. And so this section that began with a statement of his joy now ends with the same. In verse 5, he says, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order 
and the firmness of your faith in Christ. He feels close to these people he's never met because he's made an investment in them. He sacrificed for them, and it's brought him great joy. Sometimes we expect this to be automatic. We want God to give us joy and make us happy. But joy is both a fruit of the Spirit and a command of God. Calvin Miller said this, God is a giver, but he does not give happiness. He gives redemption, meaning, security, love, victory, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And happiness is our response to his gifts. Now, where do you need this message? Where do you need to respond to it? Maybe you're doing the hard thing, and you just need to be reminded that you're not alone. You need to be reminded that we were never promised easy, but also that you can have satisfaction and joy in it as you remember why you're doing what you're doing. Some of you are suffering well. You're dealing with difficulties and challenges that many of us haven't faced yet, and you're doing so with the strength that Christ gives and supernatural grace and joy. I want you to know how much we appreciate you and what your example means to us. Even though you may feel weak, we're all stronger because of you. There are probably many of you who aren't doing the hard thing. You'll serve when it's convenient. You'll give when there's lots left over. You'll be more of a more part of the fellowship when you have the time. But that time never seems to come. If that's you, then do the hard thing. Jesus suffered and died for you, but as perfect as his sacrifice was, there's something lacking in it. And that's your response. Respond to him. Follow him. Finally, there may be some of you who are stuck on the joy part. Life feels plenty hard already. So the idea that there could be joy in doing another hard thing just doesn't feel real. And maybe that's because you've left Jesus out of the picture. Maybe you've never responded in faith to the hard thing that Jesus did for you. Maybe you've never received through faith the gift that Jesus died to give you. Or maybe if you have, you left that gift on the shelf and tried to do the hard thing without him. And so there's none of his energy or his power flowing through you. There's no reliance on the Christ who is in you. There's no focus on the hope of glory that he purchased for you. Joy is your response to God's gifts in Christ. With Christ, there's joy in doing the hard thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you were willing to do the hard thing for us. We thank you that you willingly and joyfully sacrificed your one and only Son. We're thankful that Jesus did that hard thing and gladly in love for the joy set before him endured the cross. Help us, Father, to respond. Help us to follow in his footsteps. Help us to do the hard thing, to do so with our eyes set on those whom you've called us to serve to do so knowing the power of the gospel, knowing the transformation it can bring in a person's life. 
and as we do, Father, we pray that you would give us all your power, all your strength, and focus our hearts on the hope of glory that gives us joy, that gives us strength, that fills us with peace and satisfaction, even when the challenges are before us and the obstacles are in the way. We praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope this message has given you a vision for the hard thing Jesus may be calling you to and the joy we can have when we join him in it. If today's talk has stirred up questions or you'd like to know more about a relationship with Jesus, send me an email or leave a comment below. And if you think this is a message that others need to hear, leave a comment, share the link, and help spread the word. As always, for more messages of hope, visit gracebc.ca. God bless and see you next time.